Muy buenos dias, mi gente. It is May 15th, 2020, and welcome back to another episode of Café con Letter Time with your hosts, Jacqueline Alvarado y... Jacob Ibarra. Hola, everyone. ¿Cómo están? I hope you have a Café con Leche by your side, because this week brought us some good chisme, and you're gonna need something to sip on. Well, let's get right to it. Well, this week, someone important had to appear before Congress. Dr. Rick Bright, the former director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, appeared before a subcommittee on, the, on Thursday, May 14th, to talk about his whistleblower complaint bef- of, regarding the Trump administration's reg- response to the coronavirus pandemic. Yes, indeed. He testified under the four hours Thursday before the House Committee on Energy and Commerce Health Subcommittee. For those who don't know what that committee does, they basically discuss issues towards climate change and health. And I will discuss, on, according to this article, the five main takeaways upon this meeting that happened on Thursday. So Bright alarmed at the, at the lack of plans from the federal agencies and the Trump administration that a comprehensive strategy was needed to combat the coronavirus pandemic that included widespread testing, tracing, and ongoing efforts to develop a cure, as well as what to do with a vaccine once one is developed. Bright also warned about the supply shortages, and they were ignored multiple times. He began to get alerts that the supply chain for masks and other personal protective equipment was diminishing rapidly back in January. But when he forwarded the alerts to leadership in the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, as well with the national infrastructure and stockpiles teams, he said that they were ignored. Also, there was some attempts to bypass a vetting process for hydroxychloroquine. The Trump administration rushed out recommendations about the drug to treat the coronavirus, Bright said. We have a very rigorous scientific review process for all the investments that we make for the drugs, vaccines, diagnostics through BARDA and through our department, Bright said. A reference to the agency before which he used to be the director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. He cast doubt on the 12th to 18th month timeline for the vaccine. Bright called the White House vaccine timeline an aggressive schedule, and he warned that if the administration was too quickly to get a vaccine out, that the country may not have a full assessment of its safety. There's no company that can produce enough for our country or for the world, Bright told lawmakers. We need to have a strategy and plan in place now to make sure that we not only fill that vaccine, make it, distribute it, administer it in a fair and equitable plan. In addition, GOP members questioned need for hearing and its timing. Some Republicans on the subcommittee said that the hearing shouldn't have not been held at all, citing other needs for Congress to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. Representative Michael Burgesses of Texas, the top Republican on the panel, said every whistleblower needs to be heard, but adding the hearing was premature and a disservice to the special counsel's investigation since Bright complaint was only filed a week ago. Well, that sounds like it's a lot to take in. Um, Jackie, I got to ask you, how do you, do you think this is the appropriate response by Dr. Rick Bright? I feel it was appropriate response, although it feels like it was a little bit, kind of a little bit too late for it. I understand, like, that's how I feel. But at the same time, it was, it was necessary because it gives the public a reassurance of 
that the Trump administration failed to um, adequately respond to the pandemic. This kind of gives the public the truth that needed to be heard, that um, Bright and other public health officials that do this for a living, that they had come up with plans to the administration and the federal government that this is what needed to happen. And what you're doing right now is kind of too late, like a chapter way too late. And the fact that the administration and other representatives haven't taken this seriously, like the fact that Bright is now speaking out towards the truth kind of gives the public, gives the public, like I said, a reassurance that, that this is a serious issue and people were actually trying to push for something, but no one was supporting them. Right. And it's kind of weird because a lot of people that are trying to tell the Trump administration are actually, you know, doctors. They're they're experts in in diseases and pandemics like this. And yet they're not being considered. Like a soundbite that is that got pretty a little popular by Dr. Bright was that um the administration is like they're they're choosing to ignore facts and science. And he's not wrong because remember when I believe, yeah, it was probably a month ago when the the Trump administration really tried to push hydroxychloroquine. Exactly. And that's the most, literally scientists have said that's the most harmful thing and that you should not be doing because obviously those type of chemicals are not, literally explicitly not to be inhaled right, or and, consumed. Right. Cause, and then hydroxychloroquine, it's, that's a compound in a drug that's not even close to be treating the coronavirus, especially if we have no idea, if doctors still don't have a cure for the coronavirus, then why would you just inhale a, a different drug thinking that, oh, this is going to cure this disease as well, when doctors have actually said, no, because we don't have a cure yet? Yeah, it's really kind of frustrating because they've had they've had hired these people that do this for a living, and they hire this sort of team to really give consults and stuff and they're not following upon it so it's like why you have them there it's kind right, of you're like, wasting their time they're right, really pushing forth what is essential for the safety of everyone in this country and around the world and it's just frustrating that you want to improve the economy and everything get everything backed up but you're not supporting what health officials say that's essential it's pretty yeah, it's pretty insulting it's like like we saw also the past few few weeks with dr anthony fauci that exactly he's, he's being invited to the to the briefings for the white house and they're they're asking him specific questions and he's answering answering them mostly about like what the president is saying is going like he thinks is going to happen like remember we saw him on fox News saying that he has a hunch that it's the coronavirus is going to go away by easter he just he liked that timeline because easter seems like a like a good date um we're we're well past easter yeah, it just it's just frustrating that the administration wants to, I guess, I don't know, like not worry the public, but at this point, seeing what the results have upon this virus, it's like at this point we the public does not need to be like, Oh, everything's gonna be okay. Like everything will be okay, but you have to address like the the issues. Like this is a serious matter. Like, I don't understand why the political move is saying, oh, I don't want to worry the public, like, everything's going to be fine, like, et cetera. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, well, you have to address the issue. Like, this is a serious public health international issue. Therefore, it- in order in order for us to really go back to norma- norm- normality in the economy, you have to face the truth. 
the truth hurts. Like people have said, that's a common phrase. And this truth has caused so many complications and so many devastation. Yeah, like, it doesn't hurt. I, it kills. It hurt. It kills literally. So I don't understand why the federal government continues to be this have this political stance and continue to disregard comments from health officials. And also, it's kind of it's really interesting the fact that. The representative Burgess contradicts himself, say that every whistleblower needs to be heard, but this is wrong. What you're exactly. doing is wrong. So, so let me get this straight. You, from a public health official who is an expert in this and has been trying to work with this, but for some reason we saw his the funding get cut for some for the world for for things that uh, President Obama implemented to fight pandemics. Uh, those those uh, funding fundings for those things got cut. So we had the previous administration install programs to help prevent things like this because during Obama's administrations, he had to face uh, the Ebola crisis and at the end, the Zika virus. And they responded as well as they could to those considering. And now that it's President Trump's turn, I guess, in a way to fight a pandemic, we have the most... This country has the most deaths by far compared to any other country when it comes to coronavirus. And of course, he wants to brag about we have the most testing done. Right. But that's a bad thing because that means we're still having more people getting infected. Yeah, it's just ironic to me that the fact that the the United States brags about their high-tech research and everything within health and the fact that they're not really um, following through with what the pride that we have in health, it's kind of just like, well, um, what, what's the next, what do you, like, what do you want to do exactly? You know what I mean? Like we're known to have like institutions like NIH and um, like, like institutions within universities too, like Harvard, Yale, et cetera, MIT. And it's like, they're trying to, there's so many funds that go towards this and they're trying to innovate something that would cure this this that would stop and cure this disease yet nothing like they're not really supporting it in a way right so we're supposed to be the leaders in innovation and you know science exactly yeah and, and, we and yet we're not trusting the science and and again like the trump administration just putting false facts because so many states haven't had enough testing like as I as meant as I learned like a couple weeks ago, like within Maryland, Larry um, Governor Larry Hogan was just tired of getting um, not getting help, getting federal funding for tests. So he reached out to South Korea, and South Korea they were able to make a deal to giving like over a thousand tests to Maryland residents. That way, that way the the state could be able to go on and be able to fight this pandemic. So it just shows that. The government is just not like they say they say they just say they're just stating false facts like we don't have enough testing. The fact that the many states have reached out to other nations for for testing, it just proves that I don't like what is the approach the federal government wants to have. Honestly, I have no idea, because the funny thing is now the coronavirus has reached the White House where a few of yeah. Penn staffers have caught it. Uh, I don't know if. I believe um, Trump staffers are caught it, but not the not President Trump, but maybe like one of his. Uh, I think I believe Ivanka, one of Ivanka's staff members, actually caught the coronavirus, but it's reached the White House. Exactly, and 
Yeah, like I heard when I heard about that, they said that they do like testing to the president and the vice president like every single like week. Apparently, they do testing for them. So like it to me it's kind of ironic that they haven't gone in it, which is like I don't it's just like it just makes me like feel like something suspicious going on that we don't know obviously, which is classic cuz that is politics. Cuz obviously as we see here then within the hearing that happened with um within like within the house of committee um energy and commerce of health like we obviously know that there was actually policies in place like policies that were going to be in place but no one was supporting it right and then it's funny that the course like representatives like burgess and others saying that this is undermining the administration's job well done on handling the virus the virus pandemics like um 80 over eighty thousand people have officially died yeah, I guess their job well. I guess their job well done is kind of just saying, "Oh, we remember how they said a couple of weeks ago that, oh, the expectancy of death is not going to be as high as we thought." So, cheers to that. And I'm just like what? Like <laughs> cheers, cheers to hey, we we didn't reach the expectancy of deaths. Woo! Like, well, it's good that it's good if we have the the curve flattened that way, all the states can reopen. But no, that's not the case. Yeah, it's just confusing to me what the approach the um administration like is trying to get to like they say about the economy but at the end of the day like we can't we can't boost our economy if people are sick and then again that goes back to the fact of health care that we do not have a universal health care system that provides health care to everyone in this country and we that needs to be established so i don't the fact that we've that the pandemic has shown this devastation and the fact that we haven't developed a universal healthcare system just proves that obviously within the capitalistic system, money is before health. Yeah, it's really showing what the priorities are in in the in regards of what the country sees as important. Yeah, that help help out. It's it's it says of course that earlier last in April that it said that the the administration wanted to help out, give the small businesses loans and help them out but in, in reality they went to mostly big businesses yeah and it just and it just it just frustrating me because like at the like we've we've it has shown that small businesses are what boost what make the economy of what it is what boosts the economy like I actually heard within yeah like a couple of days ago within maryland that within two counties montgomery county and prince george's county build up 40 percent of the economic revenue of the state of maryland and basically, Montgomery County, PG County, and Prince George's County is built of of small businesses, people who are are middle class and um, um, working class. Like that proves to like the fact that that statistic that I saw that statistic clearly shows that small businesses and essential workers are basically what build this economy. So the fact that they're going to big corporations is just like it continues the the fraud and corruption within the government yeah it's really sad to see that small businesses and the the essentials of the economy are pretty much being left to you know left to the side and also we have the experts that are supposed to be helping us with the coronavirus just not being listened to exactly so it just i just i'm just confused what the administration wants to do with this like i don't i don't know how the turnout's going to be and time will tell but I'm glad that this um, hearing happened because at least, it, like I said before, it gives out the public the truth.
and which is this, which is needed because clearly people are keep protesting and keep thinking this is conspiracy theory that this virus is, but clearly it's not. Right. Well, you know, you know the saying that Jack Nicholson said. This is uh, this is going out to all the conservatives and the Republicans that die. They're going to die on the shield of President Trump. You can't handle the truth. Exactly. All right. Well, we have any, we have plenty of other topics to get to. Let's get right to them. Well, oh yeah, another political another political news headline: Betsy DeVos. Oh gosh, what'd she do now? Did she lose? Did she lose another yacht? Did she get her another mansion invaded? She's back again of not doing her job. Well, of course she is. So yeah, apparently the ACLU, which is a organization that fights towards um, social injustices, um, is planning on suing Betsy DeVos over the new campus sexual assault rules. So the suit says title Title Nine changes will make it more difficult for victims of sexual harassment or sexual assault to continue their educations. So the, the Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, Betsy DeVos revised federal gu- gu- guidelines on how sexual assault allegations should be handled on college and K through twelve campuses. Are the targets of federal lawsuit filed Thursday, claiming that the changes would inf- would inflict significant harm on victims and dramatically undermine their civil rights. The suit filed on behalf of four advocacy groups for people who have been sexually assaulted, including Know Your Title IX and Girls for Gender Equity, is the first that seeks to block the Education Department's new provisions before they go into effect on August 14th. So, yeah, that's like the huge thing that's happening with Betsy DeVos. So um, what do you what do you think about it, Jacob? Well, I'm not going to be the one with the best expertise on this because one, I'm not, I'm not usually, I'm not a woman. So this is, this is mostly a, I, yes, sexual assault can happen to anybody, but statistically it's happened to greater, it's happened greater to women. But I will say this, Betsy DeVos and the, her, her department are not good at their jobs. No, plain they're not. Simple. Betsy they, DeVos, like based on her history that I'm but I've read she has really no educational experience within within this. So the Trump administration, of course, is known to be hiring leaders that are not at all equipped to what their job. What are you talking about? What are you talking? Remember his campaigns, like, like the best people, Omarosa. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, back back to back to DeVos. You know, she's not good at her job at all. She really just she's really just finding more ways to screw over students exactly and in, like, this ca- and in this case this is probably the worst possible idea because all right let's I, we don't have all the numbers in front of us but we can give a general outline that sexual assault on campuses usually do not get do not usually go to actual court because schools would like to handle it themselves to begin with yeah, it just it's just really frustrating from a female perspective. Um, I could have a little bit more of a experience towards this issue. Yes, please, right, please, like towards, yes, please, towards please, like please explain this uh, issue. Yeah, it, it's better if you explain it than I do because I I feel like you know maybe your opinions would would feel a little more important here. Yeah, but I appreciate your input. Like it's kind of Thank interesting you. to get to understand from a male, like you know, get a male perspective view. So um, I feel like this this legislation 
the ACLU is fighting towards ensuing Betsy DeVos, because obviously this type of issue is an issue that has been ongoing for years. Like it's been of movement, obviously, and a hard movement for women, for female um, students in college campuses and the school education system in general. And it's really, it kind of just is frustrating because the fact that this has been going on for years, there hasn't been a really like set policy towards how sexual assault cases are um, established within schools and stuff. And in the institutions of higher education, it's always been, like you mentioned before, that it doesn't really go on to court. It kind of just within, just gets resolved within the institution itself. And her, Betsy DeVos really challenging this issue. It's kind of just makes the more, um, it kind of sets the reputation of how um, students, girls just won't be willing to um, really like speak up towards what happens. Like a lot of times, like institutions, um, it kind of institutions, I'm trying to like, you know, where this like kind of, it's kind of a hard issue to talk about. And um, it's kind of hard because within institutions, they, they only can really resolve issues when it happens on their campus. And so within this policy, it kind of just like makes the school like, oh, if it didn't happen on campus, we can't help you sort of thing. And that presents the problem because a lot of institutions are like, oh, if it happened off campus, but if it involved a student, that ha- if it involves a student, but it happened off campus, chances are of that case going through is just slim. Because universities are like, no, I do not want to touch this issue because it didn't happen on campus. It happened off campus, even though it involved a student. So it's kind of just fresh. It's frustrating because how are schools going to really like handle this issue? And it kind of makes me think about within like Catholic universities as well, because when it comes to like issues between like sexual assault, like as much as they kind of try to like advocate, it kind of just like influence like religious perspectives. And like when it comes to like the Catholic church, when it comes to really like any of that type of nature, they're kind of like, no, we're just going to just try to help you, but, like, we don't want to, it's not really our stance sort of thing. So, yeah, it's kind of, like, a difficult issue. Right. And I think also, it's also good to point out that it, when, when you, when schools encourage, you know, students who, if they've been sexually caressed or assaulted to come forward, they, they're, yeah, so, like I said earlier, they're not going to court per se or they're not no. they're not encouraging they're not encouraging students to actually you know take it upon themselves like to like go through the, the legal system it's more no, about it's, it's more bring, about, it to, bring it to us yeah it's more of like they help with the coping mechanism like they have like therapy they have like support groups so it's like the university is like yeah bring it to us and we'll help you cope with it like you know try yeah. to help you like the psychological part of it and not getting legal justice for it and that's the problem and if they want something to be and if if they if the students want something to be done it's more like it's not a trial in a courtroom it's more like a trial of more like towards the the head of the school so not necessarily people who are experts in law or even people just it's mostly like board members it mostly consists of like yeah board members and student conduct members so it's kind of like basically the conduct like um, committee of like professors like it's basically built up like professors or directors or like high officials within the university right. so like they basically decide they're basically what the legal aspect of is 
of it is and it's kind of like oh I, I guess it kind of provides closure within like the university but at the same time it's kind of like well they can do like for example within like if a student does something to another student um obviously what they can do is just kind of either expel the student or suspend them or like give them punishment but like that's only like within the university not like a legal um right. punishment right right and there will be a a mark on their permanent record as a student but but it's not as, so like, much it, of a higher level within the legal system of like punishment right and honestly like if you're gonna be a dean or a professor listening to this one maybe you should be an expert in this type of field of, especially maybe if you're gonna do this even though you shouldn't as a as a school yeah have maybe law professors Exactly. Like, it's just the way that it's, it's really built up in, like, this policy, like, that DeVos kind of just, like, is kind of pushing forth of, like, not really, like, making things easier for survivors is just really frustrating and outrageous. Like, for me, like, personally, like, it's kind of like a, like, it's kind of hard for me to talk about this issue. That's why I got choked up a little bit earlier. But, um, right. yeah. as, as, um, as, like, because a, it's more like a, it's a slap to the face to people who are, coming trying to come forward yeah as uh, a supporter as, as a supporter myself for survivors um this issue just really needs to really needs to be like fixed systemically because it keeps on going and the fact that that many many like students are not are not brave enough to really speak up towards because obviously like this the university is not giving them support I'll, you know, support that, like, legal support, let's say, like, like we said, like, it's more the fact that they can't get the legal justice for it, it's just even more frustrating, because, like, within the university, like, like I said, it provides closure, but the way they just handle it is kind of just like, oh, like, it's basically up to, like, our counsel to, to decide what's gonna, what's gonna be best for you, even right. though, like, this is a crime, like, this is, like, in federal crime right and also what i should i think should be pointed out about betsy devos's um plan about this is that her 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 justification for this is mostly that because when th these type of things happen on campus um the person um the person who's blamed they already are presumed guilty before their quote-unquote day in court but she wants it to be that it's a fair trial and that it's that they have to be under the presumption of you know innocent until proven guilty. So yes, it's understandable theoretically that you should have a day in court. But one, they're not having a day in court. Yeah, they're having a, they're having a, like a meeting basically before like before a lot of deans and professors. Yeah, it's really and, it's really a complex issue because when you try to like go to this meeting and everything like evidence key evidence is basically gone because usually when it happens to survivors like the moment that it happens like it's really traumatic and that they don't really the fact that you have to have evidence of like this happened to me it's just like outrageous like the fact that the survivor has to go through the traumas again of trying to explain what happened and basically be in this meeting as well as professors it's just like horrendous because you go up against these directors and everything like from your school and the fact that you have to tell their, your story of like this what happened to me it's kind of like 
gives it it's fierce like it gives you a sense of fear because these are high like executives of the school and the fact that you have to put yourself out there it just it's just really like fearful and everything and it's just the fact that like I said like you have to have evidence to really support that like obviously when that when the suspect or that um that did this to you obviously has to go through this meeting like they're just like it's kind of like a normal meeting, kind of like them inter- like asking questions and anything, and they can basically lie about it because there's no really evidence that proves this, you know? Right. If, it, if it's, it's hard enough already in, in an actual court with actual attorneys yeah. and an actual jury that I've been where, the, where attorneys are more legally prepared for this. But then, like, just just have your school handle it, and then it just stays within the school. That's yeah. It's... That's that's not re- that's not handling sexual assault properly. Because why would I trust an institution that can may or may not be associated with the state? Exactly. To handle to handle these these issues, and and pretty much what it's what what this does, according to the ACLU and NBC News, is that. It's really just making it that much harder for the victims. It just creates more obstacles and steps that yeah. aren't really, like, aren't really what really um really gonna be proper justice. You know what I mean? Like, it just it's hard enough that like within like you have to file a report, right? But then there's so many like other steps, and then adding another step towards it, it just like it kind of gives the vict the victim and the survivor like um not they just it just gives them kind of like no i don't want to do this like what's the point of this if i have to go through so many obstacles like there has to be uh smooth and efficient steps to really get justice for sexual assault because the fact they have to go through so so many like obstacles through to, to obviously just like even like within filing filing a report because like you have to make sure that you go to like counseling and everything, like within St. John's itself, like um, filing a sexual assault, like you obviously have to file a report and then like either through like um, mostly like through the counseling center and everything. And they have like a like a form and everything you fill out towards that. And like it's basically getting your consent and everything and um, trying to um file that with like police offices and everything and it's kind of like you have to go through a lot of information but then with like and it's just kind of like frustrating that there's so many steps to it that kind of just like makes the survivor like I'm not sure if I really want to pursue this because there's so many like things I just like I don't want to relive this you know right yep so that's that's one thing Betsy DeVos is trying to make harder for college students besides you know not helping them out with any anything regarding um, student loans. Yeah, but another thing that that's been up in the news lately, also about Betsy DeVos, of course. Oh again, no! I can't, oh no! I can't. I can't handle this. <laughs> yeah, is within public school funding, within the CARES Act. Um, so Betsy DeVos has um, with this new developing CARES Act that's in the in the works. She, of course, is trying to mess up the education system yet again within not providing adequate funds to public schools. She's mostly, she's a huge supporter of private schools and basically wants to give all the federal aid to them, which is to me, which is ironic because, you know, public, I mean, not public, private schools, excuse me, private schools 
receive funding in other ways, like donors and everything. So um, it's kind of frustrating that she wants to do that. But with it, I don't have really much expertise towards public public school funding. So Jacob's going to talk about uh, um, with the flaws within that. Take it away. All right. Okay. So I'll explain that pretty much what her plan is, what Betsy DeVos's plan with these new CARES Act is trying to do, yes, is provide much more service to private schools. But originally, it's was it was supposed to be is that it's supposed to provide funds that way it's equitable for lower income students who actually attend private schools in case if they need extra help, they work to get it. So if so if they had 10% of students that are from low income, low income backgrounds that attend private schools, whether, you know, be paying for it, or whether it be whatever, like type of scholarship that that um, private schools offer, there should be a 10% increase in in aspects like tutoring or maybe like transportation in order to help these low-income students because let's be real middle-income students are not going to need that or high like higher like income students basically people can afford the tuition (laughs) yeah exactly they're not going to need help with a bus to be taken to their neighborhoods that way they can make it to school on time or if they need if they need tutor they're going to be able to find a way to get to be accommodated with transportation and yeah. tutoring and extra help for the extracurricular help mm-hmm. for them. But so the plan was to make sure that the students that were from lower income backgrounds are to be helped that way they can be on, they can feel like they're on level playing fields with students that don't have that type of obstacle, those that don't have those obstacles. Mm-hmm. But that's not, that's not the case. Now it's just Betsy DeVos and her admin, her team are planning to do is to make that equitable service yeah, they're going to make that for everybody now. That's so just outrageous a, to me. Right. Well, it's a, well, that way people think, oh, it's a good idea. All of the students deserve like equal amount of help. Yes, but some aren't going to get, like now it's going to take away the help from students who actually Need it. needed it. Yeah. Because economically, they're not, they weren't going to, it was hard for them to get that help in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not, obviously like, people who can afford the tuition like really full afford full tuition like they have the resources already to like re- if they have the resources to provide the, you know funds for their for their child to go there like they don't why would they need like extra aid yeah they don't have to worry yeah they don't have to worry about oh okay good we're getting more help from the federal government to make sure that my son or daughter can get a little bit of extra help in math without have me having to worry about paying for it yeah, there's meanwhile it's yeah it just it's just outrageous and like it just like it just like confusing that they want to do that because obviously like they have donors like huge donors and alumni right. that they can depend on so like yeah, so yeah but continue sorry <laughs> so it's okay no it's, it's okay uh i guess be since jackie you you're a person who went to private school yeah so- for her education and i went to public school so so I guess I have the public school perspective over here. So the reason I don't, I'm really upset about this is because it's pretty much just making it that much harder for, for students who go to public schools to, I guess, succeed and going to go to college. Mm -hmm. And like my, my high school, El Rancho high school, we had a really good, you know, graduation rate and we, you know, sending kids, sending students to college you know, whether it be community college and, or four-year universities. But and also what we found out in our district is that 
the funds that we were supposed to get, they weren't really necessarily going to, like what the high school was supposed to get, wasn't really necessarily going to the high school when the high school needed it because my freshman year at El Rancho High School, um, we were supposed to get our older gym remodeled. We were supposed to get basically a new, newer facility, new, uh, improvements to the basketball facility, to the basketball court. Um, the locker rooms were supposed to be updated. Uh, the swimming pool was supposed to be uh, renovated as well with the type of bond that the school made a deal with with a certain company. It was, yes, it was supposed to get started, that project, my freshman year. But then every year we found out that they, that they, made a, they agreed to terms for a new bond to be, keep pushing back projects for the school to, you know, school to do their renovations. Wow. So we, we weren't getting, we were never really doing what was promised. And then all of a sudden, by the time I left, my, basically my senior year, we found out as students that the district decided to create a, um, a new high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it a charter school or, mag- or magnet school? Do you want? Well, do you know? Do you know about like the charters and Madden schools? Like how they work? Like what? Do you know? Like what? How? Like what? It's not like a. It's not like a private school, obviously. But like, how do you right. know? What are charter schools I mean, exactly I, for those people that don't know? Well, I can't tell you. I I see the thing. I can't remember if it was a charter school or a magnet school right now. Okay. But either way, our public school, basically, lost funds that we were supposed to be promised in order to build a new high school. And if you saw, and then we, some people got a hold of the, you know, pub, public records of what, of the funding that was supposed to go into the school. Um, feasibly, there was no way that the budget for this school and, and the actual costs, they did not match up. So either the costs are not being reported properly or there's a lot, there's like, there's money that's being stolen in order for this school to be built. And yes, it's built and it's been up and running for a while. It was, it was made for students, you know, with, with who are academically, you know, superior in a way from middle school. They were supposed to start going to this high school because they were basically going to separate, try, they were trying to separate the smarter kids from the, the average to pretty smart kids. Mm-hmm. But that school just offered academics. It really it offers no extracurriculars. Wow. Which at, at first, which is kind of weird because um, colleges want you encourage you to do some extracurriculars yeah. instead of just being a, a 4.0 student. Yeah. Like great, we get a lot of like schools are going to get a lot of 4.0 students. Yeah, but what did you do besides going to school? So it wasn't it wasn't planned out properly. Mm-hmm. But they still went ahead and they they went with it. I think they also chose a the campus of an elementary school that was shut down for a while. So they had basically, it was shut down, I think, for, for health and safety reasons. So you have to update the codes to the buildings and the campus. Yeah, they had to do renovations like, you know, like electricity and wiring and make sure that everything is running smoothly and then to improve on that. So that, that was costing money that, that probably they weren't being honest with how much the cost would actually be, turn out to be, or they were doing it on the cheap. But I remember when, as we got a hold of public records that we, we, and we were mad. Mm-hmm. 
that like instead of helping the only high school in our district, the only school, and some of the you know board members of the district who are alum mm-hmm. of the school, instead of helping out this high school, you'd think it's a better idea. And this high school who has that has a good graduation rate and a good you know a success rate of transitioning from high school to college you decide it's better to just build a new school from scratch yes yeah, oh, and and also for the last couple of years when they tried they were going to do renovations to a building yeah that building was has been missing <laughs> for wow. a while so i mean why because after they blew up the building and took it down apparently there were no funds anymore to keep going with the renovation that's always the so, case the excuse we don't have any funds and that's kind of frustrating that betsy devos wants to continue like wants to and the the proposed plan of like helping low-income students within the private school system like that was a great idea like that was a great idea but the fact that she wants to distribute within like all students in general is just frustrating because now now we're during now we're like in a whole different crisis of education like within this coronavirus pandemic like the approach towards education and the fact that she's not really willing to support public schools public schools within especially during these times like it's just frustrating because obviously this new approach towards education like realistically everything's going to be mostly online so the fact that that so many kids are in public schools and low-income like in public schools and are um, from families of low income, like more funds should be more should be allocated towards public school systems because obviously public school systems don't have the adequate like like materials to really distribute for all students in general. And the fact that we have now transitioned to online learning, it is essential that public school systems get that more get that federal funding more than private schools. Because at the end of the day, private schools have their donors, can reach out to alumni. Even though they say they don't have funds, they can really plead to like alumni and donors to really support that. And they have the technology. Like I'm saying this from like a from my private school perspective, like Catholic schools, there's always a way you can get money. Meanwhile, like within public schools, it's so it's been so downgraded and so like so like there like, has have um like negative like reputations like more federal funding should be in place towards towards public school systems around this around around this country because as we've seen like now education like basically all of us are going to be receiving education through online regardless if you go to a public school or private school so like more funding should be placed to public schools that way all kids can have access to materials and technology essential for their education. And like that's when like just kind of like my like view because now that I see like that all of us are getting like education through Zoom University obviously like all of us are using Zoom and WebEx and so on and so forth that like trying to put more funding to private education knowing that they have like a stable curriculum unlike public schools that are still trying to figure out like a core curriculum itself more funding and more time should be invested into public schools rather than private schools because private schools like they have the set curriculum like they have you know teachers can figure out you know like how um how to figure yeah, they're, you know they're, they, they, they're they, not you know? they're not gonna follow god yeah, they're not going to follow guidelines yeah, because, by the, the state yeah, government exactly. or the federal government. Private schools do not follow, like, state regulations about how they do their class instruction. So they can, like, figure out something and give their students, like, education. But I also agree that, like, within I, – I feel like for funding for private schools, like, the – 
I think like they should focus on like paying the faculty better because a lot of private schools do not pay their faculty enough for what they do. Like in some cases, um, that's within like Maryland itself, like Montgomery County, like public schools, they pay their teachers better than compared to the private ones in Montgomery County, actually. So like, I feel like it should be definitely be discussed of how like to really support faculty and teachers and within funding and also, but like I said, within public schools, funding should be more allocated towards the students' needs. Especially because, like right. I said, like online learning, like we're all going to get the same like experience because we're all see all doing online learning. So that's my opinion. Right, and and my mom, who is a, a fourth grade teacher in a public school, Rio Vista Elementary, way to go, Blue National National Blue Ribbon School. Good for, for good for you guys, and guys, my that's my elementary school as well. Um, yes, it, they're fortunate enough that they can provide, you know, Chromebooks to any student that needs and access to a laptop or some type of computer in order to complete their online courses. So we're fortunate enough that we can, that we can do that. Yeah, so many, there are a lot yeah. of public schools out there that do not have those kind of resources that, that probably every, every year see some cut, some type of cut from the federal government for any type of aid. Yeah. And also within like school districts that are, get a lot of funding and everything who are fortunate and privileged enough to get it right they which they, which like, which are based on tests which they would get those big based on test scoring and maybe like attendance performances yeah. but and like it just like like within my like um county like montgomery county like luckily like it's montgomery county like especially within where i live in bethesda like we have one of the best schools like public public schools near my area and that's because like around here like everyone is basically kind of like affluent like and wealthy so like i feel like a lot of times like like when they receive funding like i feel like it just not they get a lot of funding and compared to like other schools within like my county too like it just kind of frustrating because it's like you guys can like find ways to like help each like help yourself like help yourself and like but i feel like uh they um this the the department of education really needs to like focus on what like equal funding for every single public school you know what i mean and i i feel like a lot of times that i feel like within school districts kind of need to not have that mentality of like oh we're gonna be selfish and help ourselves like the ones who are fortunate to get a lot of funding you know where like they say like like, you know like the money left over the 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 districts are like they have money left over don't know what to do like i feel like they should really like collaborate with other districts that they know that are like struggling to really provide essential needs for their students they really need to reach out and to like help each other out because obviously like we're all like we need to stop having that selfish mentality of like not of having like oh my county district is school district is superior to years like at the end of the day like especially during these times pandemic we're all receiving the same education like online like right and but also i think also it shouldn't be necessarily equal i think it needs to be equitable mm -hmm. that those districts that are struggling more and also are have not been receiving the proper funds that they have that they need to I feel like equal, to succeed. Like, I feel like when I spend like equal, I mean like that the like every single kid can have the equal opportunity to get that education. That's what I kind of meant. By right, <laughs> right. Which which I th- which I think falls in line with equity. Mm-hmm. That yes, like the, those kids that are that come from well well off families, mm-hmm. and and the kids who are from lower income families. Yes, if you. You can give them an equal opportunity, but one is already one kid has already uh, as an advantage over the other. But if you if you help out the lower income student more, exactly, if, if that's a level playing field, which falls in line with equity. So mm-hmm. yes, I think that you really just need to help out those public school districts across the nation that 
you even though like your first impression would be like oh well you know they're not doing well well there's a lot of reasons why they're not doing well yeah there's so and if many, you decide if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna give if you're deciding that with that mentality that oh we're giving up on them because they're not producing the numbers well there's maybe they why. need extra help yeah, yeah they need extra help that is not just, it's not just because all oh, the teachers aren't doing well and you know those kids are not good good students no there are a lot of factors that go into why these poor school districts don't perform as well as the as the richer districts and the charter schools and the private schools. Exactly. Which like, for some, which for some reason, Betsy DeVos keeps fighting for like private schools, private schools. Like, we get it. Like, like kids from a richer background can afford to go to private school mm-hmm. and they're going to have better test scores. But that's not the point. The point is that you're supposed to be making schools in general better. Yeah. Not certain schools better. No, definitely. She needs to stop like focusing on private schools like at the end of the day like private school it's more of like a title really it's kind of like we like for example if you go to harvard it's like you go to you, okay you go to harvard for the you basically go to a private school for like the name just to be like right right and then how much does that influence which um which uh, universities want to select their students from do they want yeah. to select from the the prestigious high school with the good test scores or the one the kid with, with the pretty good public school who doesn't have the same with the name that doesn't have the same prestige yeah but like hey it looks like they they're a good student but this kid went to this private school yeah it's basically mostly like a title to have and like um it's kind of like it puts me in a weird position because i went to a private school my entire life and the reason why i kind of i went to the private school was mostly because like i said like the for me it was kind of different because i went because my parents wanted something that they couldn't have so it was more and that's great yeah, and that's, like, it's a good thing, like, that they, but a lot of, but society kind of just puts it, like, oh, you went there because you wanted that title, but it's, like, no, like, I, like, I'm supportive of private schools because I went to one, and they did provide me a lot of opportunities itself, but it definitely does not, does, like, it, like, a public school education, it's, it's way, like, a very valuable thing, and, like, it just frustrating to me that people continue to, like, downgrade upon it. And it's like, well, the reason why, like, you, like you, as we mentioned, the reason why so many public schools are not doing so well is because there's reasons why they don't have the funding, they don't have the the equitable and accessible like opportunities compared to other schools. Like that needs to be changed, and Betsy DeVos needs to stop focusing on like what society per, like um, pertains what is like you know like higher and superior, which which they think it's public. I mean, public school, private school. But again, private school and public schools. At the end of the day, like, sure, like they, uh, like at the end of the day, like a student is getting like you know the kind of the same education. Because when I like reflect of like how, especially within as I gone to Saint, like going to Saint John's and like meeting people from public schools and private schools, like at the end of the day, like we kind of all learn the same thing. Like for, I remember how I've had discussions with my friends about like the, the books that we've read in school and everything. It's like we kind of read the same. We kind of read the same novels and everything, you know what I mean? So it's like yeah, you're right. You're right. I think, but I think where it's difference, where the differences are, is that maybe like there's some courses like you probably, I don't know what type of like courses you took on how to maybe like maybe how to like better if you had courses that were like better with computer skills or better with mm-hmm. or because I remember at my school, you know, we only had which even they changed the guidelines, but. I don't know if you had how many years required that you're supposed to take of math and requir- mm-hmm. how many years you were required to take science. And maybe like, I think I, I only had to take one year for like an arts class. Yeah, I had one year too. But then like we're different where 
I found out you, you know, you, your school helped you become more equipped when it came to typing and maybe mm-hmm. like how to write, how to write, you know, more, you know, a more formal type of writing. Yeah, I feel like the long than, term, than I did. the long term goal to the department of education is really finding a guideline to uh, set curriculum for everyone. Like even regards to like private school and like even private school, like private school and public school should be at like at the same page within curriculum wise. And that's going to be like the long term goal. But definitely before that's really allocated, funding has to be essential for public schools because private schools at the end of the day, they can get their they can find a way to and get money. And the reason they're private schools that way, they don't necessarily have to follow the guidelines yeah. of, of like what, what which is kinda, public schools which have is to really follow. outrageous to me because as I like as I went through, like, the stages of, of education and everything, like, within life, like, I got to, like, the point that, like, where, like, some, I didn't learn some things, essential things that, like, with my friends that, like, we create that this, I kind of just sociologist, people into, like, perspective of, like, oh, I'm, like, you know, I'm better than you because I went to private school, and, like, it just creates a disconnect, and, like, it kind of furthers people to really have that mentality that, you know, like, it kind of sets the sets the mentality of um, discrimination, you know what I mean, as people, like, develop in the workforce and everything, and, like, it just kind of just creates those arguments, like, oh, like, I know this because I went to a private school, like, you know what I mean, like, and, I have a better mentality and everything. It just really like it, like this, this, um, this different. Yeah. The different. Yeah. Like, it's class. Divide. The class, the almost like, within, like class divide is just really starts. Education it starts really like, early. That like, I obviously did not have the mentality when I grew up. Cause I grew up within like a humble household of like immigrant family. So obviously my, I grew up differently compared to other kids in my school were from affluent backgrounds and everything that they already had the mentality of, like, obviously, like, when I look back at it, like, the kids I went to school with, like, if I went to a public school and met them, they obviously would discriminate me, like, obviously, automatically. But since I went to their school and was in their class, they were able to talk to me. So, like, the fact that, like, the, the an early age with an education that we've had, the, we've had this mentality and, and discrimination, like, it's just really frustrating that a set curriculum should be set. Yeah. You... Right. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they realize the sociological type of effects that can happen with trying to separate the like quote unquote exactly. rich kids and from it's the just, it's poor just like kids. a lot of barriers towards that. Like it's so many. It's a complex issue. But yeah, definitely Betsy DeVos oh, yeah. needs to really stop focusing on private schools so much and just really focus on public schools. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, let's stick money. to the issue of money. Let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about that bread because we found out, according to the New York Post, Jeff Bezos is on track to become the world's first trillionaire by Good the year him. 2026. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, because for... apparently yeah. his Amazon's Amazon's yeah, profits are, are going up. Oh, good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell him who he who he is. Uh, okay, Jeff Bezos is the face of Amazon. He created. He started mm-hmm. up Amazon. He, He's not the owner of Amazon, but he has he he has a, I think he has only mm-hmm. and then, okay, so he does have an eleven percent stake of Amazon. So, but and it was his you know it was his baby. He created it. He's a founder, but yeah, he's not he's, the owner. He has you know he has a board, 
but I think he has the. I yeah. think he does have the largest he's stake just in like Amazon a huge investor at eleven percent. He plays a huge role. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, and he's and of course he's the face. You know, sometimes when we and a couple of Super Bowl commercials we've seen exactly. Jeff Bezos come out in the Alexa commercials. But okay, so as 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 was reported, it turns out um, uh, Jeff Bezos. You know, he had he had his, really? he saw his net worth go up a little bit. He saw that, yeah, in the last months, his his fortune from one hundred and twenty five billion dollars went up to one hundred and forty three billion dollars. In the first quarter, according to the New York Post, the first quarter of business for Amazon this year, um, they saw their sales go up. Um, around, they were around seventy five billion dollars. So, so in this pandemic, Amazon is prof- profiting. A lot of money, which I understandably, if you think about it, it's it makes a lot of sense, especially when a lot of people have to stay at home and they, they can't go to the grocery store, they can't go to these stores yes, to get they their can't essentials. Pay their workers what are you going to do? You're going to order <laughs> them online, wage. and yeah, which is and and which is mind blowing that a lot of these warehouse workers still have to work with overtime without without extra pay. Their gear. wages are not going to go up. Efficient. And and if they want to speak about it, and if they want to speak about it, they'll get fired. And of course, and of course, no. do they have a union to protect them? No, because these big corporations don't believe in unions. <laughs> do they think unions actually harm, do more harm to employees than than yeah, it just, good? It which is so is just like wrong. crushing because, like you said, we everything we're kind of dependent on Amazon. Like Amazon, basically the. Basically, Amazon owns so many things, so many, like, companies, like, it's kind of hard not to order something on Amazon. Like, for example, within, like, schools, like, college kids, like, sure, we, like, look, we can't, like, when we look at our bookstore, like, obviously, that's so expensive. Meanwhile, it's so easy to rent on Amazon or, like, get an e-book from there. Like, it's affordable. Like, it's affordable price. So, it's, like, everything we depend on is on Amazon. Definitely. And also, as Esquire has reported, Jeff Bezos is one of the world's five richest people who has not lost money be nice. because of the coronavirus <laughs> pandemic. So, so a lot of small businesses out there who are facing, yeah. who are facing the issue of possibly going out of business lost. Yeah. And yet here's Jeff Bezos who profits off of the coronavirus. Like let let that sink in. Like as the as unemployment went up a lot this year due to the coronavirus, with tens of million people now being unemployed, we have the richest man in the world still making billions of dollars. And by twenty and not not even ten years from now, six years from now, he might be a trillionaire. That is a lot of zeros. Like some countries have that kind wow. of debt. Like he uh, he's on track to be kind of close to the U.S.'s debt to other countries. Okay. And yet corporations, not not necessarily Amazon per se, but yet other corporations that are pretty big, still have the, like the nerve to kind of accept these like loans from the federal government and of course there are there are some 
there are some you know corporations that didn't return the money thank you it just shows it just shows but our still, capitalistic like, system it just really just likes to invest in corporations it is really like outrageous so when they which and it's kind of funny when like yes like the president wants to talk about how he has such a strong economy and yes the economy exactly. is strong for people like Jeff Bezos. And it, I, like, it's kind of funny how like they, like Bernie Jeff Post, Bezos and 1%. the president do not like each other. The one, the, the one, he, no, the one. Jeff Bezos is the one. He's the one because he'll be the, the one trillionaire, not even 10 years from now. So he's not even the one percent. He's just no. It just it is really frustrating how like even like Amazon that that team. This is like Amazon just still does not want to like really care about their workers and everything else. It just I mean like what's the excuse? You don't have the funds, right? Right, which is fun. Which is funny because I remember there's still when um, where did Amazon want to build another? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Did they want to build it in Long Island City? I think it was Long Island. It was going to be in Queens, yeah. I remember. But I remember a lot of people... Because I remember a lot of people were upset that that Amazon wasn't going to New York anymore because they said, oh, think of all the jobs that are going to come with working with Amazon being there. Think of all like, the, little, the small businesses. Like, right, exactly. but guess what? The taxpayers are paying for that. A- Amazon's no, not Amazon paying for them, pay for like them to be in, in Queens. It was going to be the taxpayers. No, they were not going to pay at all to build to get the property build their warehouses and anything like that no 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 the taxpayers are paying for that which exactly. that meant an increase well, in in taxes and that just puts, that puts everyone at risk and which because obviously and like, so when, obviously raising taxes just doesn't influence people to like spend money on like small businesses and, and small businesses are going to face the consequences of that and 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 a lot of people are thinking that yeah, but these workers they're gonna they're gonna like rely on these mom and pop shops like in order like to get food or to get their essentials. Like, I mean, probably exactly. But they're already making low wages working for Amazon, and also these little places that you know like these like little neighborhood places that would have been there to help these Amazon workers like with their food mm-hmm. or like buying groceries when it came or when it came like lunch breaks or a coffee break. I mean. Yeah, I mean, they could have done well, but I mean, they also would have had a tax increase, which I don't think, which which some some economists are saying that wasn't going to be enough to, like, for they, that, those wouldn't be enough profits to keep them afloat considering how much the tax increase would have been. But yet, you know, people thought, oh, these warehouse jobs are going to help boost the economy for not queens i mean there'll be, maybe there'll be long-term yes, term consequences towards that not long term and <clears throat> yes and also like like we said exactly amazon did, did not have to pay for anything they were going to be they were going to be paying more profits. to make sure that they could be there All right so and then that's that's pretty much how People like Jeff Bezos get, get to keep making money. They get exempt from actually paying and that's how any type of taxes. Works. So I'm sorry that I'm sorry to those people who don't understand that the upper class, you know, should be taxed more. I'm sorry that you feel like you shouldn't, even though 
there's a, this idea yeah. that you know it, you it's a privilege like to class, live in like, the United States. I feel like a, a lot of to... people like when it came to like especially yeah. within like Bernie's campaign or like really like how he kept t- saying on the wealthy like he met like billionaires and trillionaires. Well, obviously he's gonna be the first one, but you know what I mean like. But he really meant like huge like empires yeah. and like everything like that and like people kept thinking like kind of people that kind of make like you know have like high professional jobs like they would kind of be affected like but at the end of the day it's kind of like no like i guess that's why people yeah. like kind of got scared and didn't support like really like or don't really support taxing the wealthy because they feel it i feel they feel like it's going to really affect them but it's like not really it's going to be affecting people that actually make who are actually like billions of like makes billions of dollars and like it just frustrated me that people just don't agree upon that because they think it's going to affect them but it's like no it's going to affect people that are really like are have like are like you know the wall street empires like they're ridiculously wealthy ridiculously wealthy yeah people don't support that because they're just like oh i don't want to be taxed more or anything so but it's like it's not gonna affect you are you a billionaire like are you are you the owner of amazon right. no no you're not <laughs> right so this idea that a man worth over 140 billion dollars should not have to pay yeah any like, kind of money just, in taxes is okay got confused towards like what people meant about the wealth tax and it's like you I, know what i mean like it's yeah oh I don't know. I, I think I think also this idea that oh he worked hard for his money. A lot of people work hard for their money, but also you should be paid. You have to be notion pay, that you have you're to an American. Your, this is also you part of your duty. Yeah, you're paying. Yeah, and even even if it doesn't seem this way, this is also you know JFK's message: what you can do for your country. Yeah, you're helping out your country with you know paying for roads, schools to get better. For the country to be better, but yet the people who have made the most money and you know found a way to you know help other basically other people, other Americans, they shouldn't have to pay any type of money at all. Okay, that's fine. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, sure. Jeff Bezos, you have so much money, you can buy islands. You can possibly you can pay off countries' debts. Like the fact that like his company and like other corporations got like federal funding from like the first CARES Act just blows my mind because like obviously the people that were excluded from the cares act were undocumented immigrants who are taxpayers who although they don't have they don't have like the sufficient um documents to really like to really like their status is like at jeopardy and everything the fact that they weren't included to really receive a stimulus check just blows my mind because it's like they literally pay taxes they're huge like you provide huge economic right. profits and the fact that corporations don't get taxed or like have to pay taxes and they benefited from this from this economic stimulus just like blows my mind and it just like frustrates me because it just like sure like it's because technically the mentality is like if you pay your taxes you should you should you did your duty like you said you did your duty and you should be receiving something back and the fact that the stimulus package did not include them just like proves of like what they're literally completing their duty of paying their taxes and they don't receive anything back. It just blows my mind. Yeah, but that was my little Welcome answer. to America. <laughs> yeah, so Jeff Bezos yeah, just... being a trillionaire, good for you, but I mean, 
I don't care how many I don't care how many don't really like, charities you do because yes, these billionaires also create charity. No, but also these kids, when these um, people donate to charities, they're not donating no, actual they get a tax like, their actual money. Yeah, they they're get, like, a tax they're sending it in yeah. the forms of a bond yeah, so, like, to for a tax write-off. Yeah, so it's when they when you hear like billionaires like Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, and you know Jeff Bezos donating this amount of money for this charity. <laughs> it's not necessarily them donating money. Yeah, they're they're not necessarily donating the actual money towards the charity, but they're gonna donate in the forms of a bond with like cer- with with certain clauses to it but either way because it looks like they donated money they're gonna yeah, get a no a tax write-off like, which they've already had blows my mind I'm like it's kind of like oh it's like it's basically like a like a brand of like oh i'm doing an act of charity but i'm gonna get it back yeah but i mean yep that's the capitalistic society we live in and jeff bezos hey you know who knows? Oh, I, mean, I know this is probably not this is you know not the best thing for me to say, but if you really do have that much money, may I suggest that he goes into the business of basketball and buy the Knicks? Yeah, I, I know, I know, it's a little off topic, but but hey, you know, if you have that kind of money, yeah, I mean, you could probably, possibly buy all the leagues. But but I mean, hey man, there's a team out there that needs a little help because they need they need a good leader of an Oh, a good owner. Well, they 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 need someone that you know. They, New York needs needs a team that is uh, on the right track in the future because you know no one's playing basketball right now because of the coronavirus. But when the basketball comes back, maybe think about buying the Knicks. Give James Dolan an offer he can't refuse, <laughs> and you own the Knicks. And that way, and that way, you can get on some people's much better side because you know what? You helped out the laughing stock of the NBA. And you can wave so much money, and he can wave so much money in players' faces. Like, hey, I'm Jeff Bezos. You want to see a billion dollars in a suitcase? Well, I couldn't do that, so I had to bring multiple suitcases. Could, and across all of, probably all of New York. <laughs> but, but still, like, you know, but like that, you know, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna have that much, that kind of money, yeah, man, do do a good service for some people. What? You know, the Knicks. <laughs> And I'm not even a I'm not even yeah, I'm not even a diehard Knicks fan. I'm a Lakers fan, but I still like the Knicks. Keep it for himself. Eh, or probably a, give more funds to the Washington Post. Happened. I don't know. It's his bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think I yeah. think that we, concludes we the general news that, of this week. Oh, that we did. How about we? You know, let's. Let's let's ease our minds from the world news and like the major news. And let's like just talk news. about you know some personal news now. Yeah, so some nice news that's worthy to share this week. Jackie, why don't you start? What tell us about your week? Your finally, some, some interesting news for you this week. Yes. But that means I'm a senior. Congratulations, yes. <laughs> Yeah, for everybody who doesn't know, uh, St. John's, yeah, the St. John's students uh, are out of school. Our semester has ended. Our, so this is a, this is pretty much for both of us. Our school year is over, but you're going to be a senior, and I yeah. have a, and I have technically graduated. You. I think. Well, I have a year left. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But right, but yeah, I think we're, we're both still waiting on our final like, grades to like, be it's important. frustrating because my professors are so like hard in the deadlines and then I check on to see if the final grades are there I'm like non-existent I'm like well 
okay that's fine I guess that's, you know but for the once in my life like I'm not stressed about like the outcome of it but I'm just like annoyed that they haven't put the grades yet like I really want to showcase myself and be like yes I did this and you know like previous semesters I'm just like so nervous like oh my gosh oh my goodness what's gonna happen but now that I'm certain like how my grades are gonna be I just want to see them like officially just like you know put it up there I'm like really really are you kidding me you serious <laughs> yep 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 that's frustrating especially for someone who's supposed to be graduating because you know yeah. the graduation ceremony was for me was supposed to be on sunday this coming sunday but yeah I'm, I'm with you actually i have some of my three of my four final grades are actually have already been inputted but it's mm-hmm. the one that's missing that i really just want to see now which is the internship course that i had to take so all of us in the mm-hmm. sport management department had to take an internship course and a minimum one and i i I was gonna I just did my one and since the coronavirus happened mm-hmm. I couldn't do my internship normally like I like I should have be but if we couldn't do our internship we were allowed to do an alternative assignment which I did and I completed yeah. I'm just so done to but be, I guess I'm, I'm just waiting for so that done. Pass. yeah I'm done but <laughs> and, I'm just so glad to be done because I mean this is like a hard <laughs> semester for like everyone but for me like personally it just like this year has been like a year of improvement with my academics so like the fact that I'm just get to like you know breathe a little bit more and like kind of be proud of myself it just really like gives me reassurance that you know I'm doing better like my grades semester my grade semester this this year have been better than better yeah. since you know since freshman year because I mean freshman year started great but then sophomore year we had like a little little turn of events but it's okay we rise back up again and I just like it just I just I'm just ready for that like closure of like like you know of all this like pandemic and everything and like I got through it you know and so I'm just really happy that I'm done with the semester and I got through it and we'll see what happens next year if like I'm online at least I know that um, I kind of learned of like what you know things I should you know take on for like next semester if we were to go online so you know it's we're gonna be we're gonna be good but although I'm done with school I still have like a lot of projects to do because you know busy busy bee me who decides to take on internships so with campaigning and stuff and so I'm not really done of yeah like, definitely you know, working life but <laughs> but I do like to stay busy but then but then so, again yeah, you, you like to stay I've busy been working on the campaign besides the um finals things done so I'm happy about that and I've been like listening to music as well continuing to listen to music and trying to figure out to do some cover songs um because I have I, I have, a, I have an Instagram page that you right. should follow. Ooh, right, it's yeah. at Marcella Tunes. Um, it's an Instagram page that I have that I've been, I only have one song so posted on that page. So it's a little bit dry right now. But stay tuned. There's going to be some cover songs along the way. Just I need to improve my vocal cords because oof, it's been a, it's been a minute. But yeah, that's basically my personal week. <laughs> How about yours? Well, like I said, um, since the semester's over for me, I've technically finished school. I have basically it's graduated, basically I guess, but it's not official <laughs> that I graduated. But yes, I finished school. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Hooray. Yeah, I finished school. And it's kind of, you know, I finished school being at home in, in California. It's, it's, it's ironic that I, I wanted to go to school out of state, and, but I finished it's, school it's, right it's under my It's a part roof. of life. It's the circle of life. But, <laughs> it's something. It, 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 
I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'm just so happy that I was able to finish you know school. What? I, I passed. You know what? I did, I did what I was supposed you to do. Proved, it's not my fault that, exactly. it's not my fault that I'm here. You, back in my under my roof at home. It's just another accomplishment for many, many Latino students who, who are mostly, you know, um, being down upon of not completing graduation and everything. So, like the fact that you're able to be pre- finish pursue higher education definitely proves into the society that Latinos are here to. Be successful and prosperous in this world. So you fit into that. Yeah, right. immig- immigrants, <laughs> they get the job done. But, but yeah, I'm not definitely, an that's I'm an accomplishment. Not an I'm just a Latino. But, oh, yeah, thank you. Also, another thing about this week, um, on Wednesday, even though I didn't, get, I didn't watch them oh. live, I was able to watch some sports. Because the UFC is back. UFC last Saturday had their first event in forever. The, that was the first. That was the first major sporting event here in the U.S. Now that with under the pandemic, so that happened Wednesday. They had another event, and then tomorrow Saturday, they will have another event. So in the same in the same place of Jacksonville, Florida, same arena. So they're gonna have three events in the, within a week, and. I've been, of course, right. me being the fight fan, I watch them. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see that there's no, there's no fans. So you get, to, you, get to, you get to hear a lot more clearly the, the punches and the kicks being landed. So it's good to know how, how hard these, these strikes are. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's a good, even though, you know, there's, there's, the da- there's this mm-hmm. danger of yeah. still not social distancing leading up to these fights. I guess it's I guess it's a nice it's a nice break from yeah. stressing about this pandemic and the quarantine and the lockdown. It's nice I'm to see for a few right. hours, you know, yeah. just some type of getaway. Yes, some type of getaway from the stress if you're a sports fan. Yep, so that that's been my week pretty much just worrying about worrying about the final grades yeah, and it's, it's just good to have enjoying that, like, some you know, good old that fights. Other stress besides watching Netflix all day. <laughs> you know, having de-stressing. Because, I mean, like, Netflix can only <laughs> satisfy your needs for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, what, that's how I go from Netflix Hulu to Hulu to, to YouTube. To Disney Plus and then to Snapchat to Instagram and then Twitter and then that's where my vacation goes and my vacation location. Yeah. So that's the you know the, yeah. so when they say that you can't travel, what are you talking about? Traveling all the time. And then we go from zoo one side to, to an, we'll Web, go from Webex one side to another. Well. Like it's the Webex Island, Zoom Island. You know, it's a great. It's a those are great islands, especially if you want social interaction, but you know, social distance type of way. Yeah. That's 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 so, a lot of traveling um, right there. How about some? Now that we talked about our personal stuff, let's go to some our segment of random thoughts. Do you want to go first? Uh, okay, I'll go first. Uh, regarding mm-hmm. the, I'll go back to regarding the UFC and their events. So it it was reported this week that the UFC were given protocols to mm-hmm. follow and how to keep their events safe, especially under this pandemic. Um, turns out that they weren't really? really following their protocols all the way. Like like the most basic one, social distancing. Yep, they're not doing that really, because every broadcast starts well the last two broadcasts have started with with them with the with the announcers no right Nothing. next to each other no masks 
no, no masks, no. But when they do talk, when they're at their desk talking, you know, doing the play-by-play for the fights, they're at different desks in different areas of of the octagon. So you st- you you start off with no social distancing, no masks, no like no no real safety protocols, to then all of a sudden follow some type of safety protocol. But yes, it turns out that the the UFC had not been following the safety had not been following all of the safety protocols that that they were given. Now, you can make there could be a I guess there could be a debate so some sort of about the protocols that are put in the first place, which it's good that they do have them. You know, it's because it's I get for not not necessarily the fighters but everybody else to be safe. And yes, they do also have their testing, but but you know there's there's still a chance of catching it. So I guess it's good for make sure that it's as safe as possible. But if you're not going to follow these rules, that's just a bad look because if anything goes wrong, you you like you push further back the date where like mm-hmm. I guess sports can come back normally. And um, also, it turns out that it was also it was also being reported after the event last Saturday that there have been, there's now been a clause in the fighters and the media members who are over there for the events. There's a clause that prevents the UFC fighters and the media members to speak out and say anything negatively towards the UFC and their and how they're basically wow. um, running under this pandemic. So they can media members nor fighters are allowed to really speak speak any say anything negative towards how or how the how the UFC and and, and their bosses endeavor are running running the ship. So it's exactly. kind of you're kind of restricting free speech from the media. To say they try to put that like image so, of like oh we're social distancing for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're doing they're they're doing they're doing a lot of visibly they're not doing a lot of correct things as mm-hmm. what you know lawmakers and public health officials are saying. And I get it. They've tested. They they have coronavirus testing kits, and a lot of tests come back negative. But I mean, they can, yeah. And they can. They still have to test after the fights. And there's no saying. There's no saying that fighters or any other members of the state athletic commission or anyone else that are there to for the events. But do you there's know, not, like, how there's the nothing that's saying that they it? won't catch it. Do you after. know anything about? Fight on the fight. I'm not. A, oh, fight on the fight. I mean, if they're fighting, they, they want to fight. Kind of like discussing. If anything, towards, they're like, you know, like have concerns towards like their safety or anything. I mean, no, but I mean, there there are also some fighters who aren't going to be mm. part of this. These who have have not been part of the previous events and who won't be part of the next event. They're the ones who are not fighting. Some have raised their concerns that this is not safe because, mm-hmm. especially like if I can't. I can't train okay. properly or, you know, like I'm still putting myself at risk. Like the UFC heavyweight, the UFC heavyweight champ is also a firefighter and he does not care about fighting at the moment that because awesome he, he wants to focus on his duty as a first responder. Right. But that, but then, and there are also some fighters that they, they don't want to risk, mm-hmm. you know, also risk their, their future as and a fighter. They don't risk, like, if they can't, if they well, can't train properly. I mean, Right, because they also have yeah, they have they to social distance their at all. after fighting and leaving. To... So, 
really so really we have to see after this mm-hmm. event on saturday and maybe the next few weeks after like what the final results results are if mm-hmm. anyone has tested positive or if something went wrong then maybe then does that mm-hmm. jeopardize the future of other okay. sports coming back so really it's all it's all up to the ufc to do yeah they really a good job at following the precautions really need to take those precautions because those are necessary Yeah, so those are my fu- final random oh thoughts. Oh my gosh, it, what I've been are like your in a John Mulaney type of mood lately. Like this, like this, like kind of week, like it's kind of like I guess it kind of goes with personal stuff, but it's kind of random thought, but as well. But I've been to like John Mulaney's like stand up comedy. Like I've been a fan of John Mulaney like kind of recently because I knew who he was, but I never really like paid attention to like him in general. But, like, lately I've been watching, like, um, the comedy specials of him. Like, I actually began earlier this week because I was watching um, Hassan bin Hajj, like, episodes. And, like, like his deep cuts that are on YouTube and everything. And um, and so I've okay. uh, been watching those type of videos. Like, those type of videos. And John Mulaney came on. And then he was talking about his stand-up comedies and stuff like that. And how he's into, like, musicals and everything. And I'm just like, Wow. He can. He likes music and does comedy, so I've been like, "Wow!" So as a, I think he's hilarious. Like last night, is I was he funny? In your comedy opinion? special from 2018, 2015, and he referenced so many jokes that I actually could like, you know, relate to. Because I feel like when it comes to comedians, I only can relate to the ones of color. Because like when I see like Latino comedians, like you know, because I grew up in a Latino household, I can relate to those type of jokes. But when it comes to like a white comedian, I'm kind of skeptical about it because I'm just like I don't know if right. I'm gonna really like, relate to your jokes or like kind of like you know understand them or like you know how some of them tend to be like um, stereotypical or like toward you know like stereotypes or anything like that. So it's kind of like you know kind of like iffy about them. But then John Mulaney like nails it with his jokes because like he grew up catholic and so did i and so when he did about his catholic jokes and everything i was like that is so true and like it, it just i love how his jokes where it can you can really how oh. going to church yeah like how about going to church the jokes about him go, going going to church yeah, and having to follow the the orders of the priest and like, how the priest talks like blows my mind how he's able to create jokes that like regardless of who you are you can try to relate to them in a way like it just, it just, I just really appreciate that from some comedians because, like, I feel like a lot of times when they do like their approach, they try to do it based on how they grew up and like what their tradition is. Like with Hassan Minhaj, he talks about like being like in an immigrant family, so like he basically kind of makes it wide open, but also within his culture as well, but also keeps it wide open. And like here we ha- and then other comedians as well, like they try to, like keep it as open as possible. So like you know, I really appreciate that because a lot of times like it just they keep it so like you know. Like this is gonna be my topic, yeah. and like they try to, they try to, they don't focus on, they kind of focus on a target audience, but then the target audience is more of like a diverse, to like diversify, like target audience. So I've been like into his mood lately, and like I've been watching like his him on SNL and everything, and like learning about who he is and everything, and just kind of just makes me like, I like I I like him a lot. Like he's like one of my favorite comedians. He just personality. He is really he's funny. Just, I'll, yeah, he's, he he's a funny guy. Petunia, and I'm just like, that's the cutest thing. <laughs> he's yeah. he's an interesting guy because he's. I feel like he's an old soul, soul because yeah. he makes a lot of he makes a lot of movie references, especially movies. 
And then like he'll he'll reference movies from the sixties, the seventies, the fifties, the style of the forties, and like like man, I feel like you'd be like you as like a thirty some year old yeah, man feel like you belong like, in the nineteen fifties and sixties. He has he's just like an open has an open personality and just like it just he just feels like approachable. Like I feel like if I were to talk to him, like he'd be like so cool to talk to. Like he wouldn't be like awkward necessarily. I feel like I would be the one awkward, but he just he just seems like a person that you would have like good talks with. Yeah, probably. But yeah, yeah that's really, really that's funny. good. It's good that you got into John Mulaney. He's funny. Um, I, I'm trying to think of like, another personal thought. Um, <laughs> actually, um, I really love the Disney sing along that happened last week, like last Sunday, the Disney sing along part two. Oh my goodness, people! My favorite ones were Jennifer Hudson and John Legend singing "Beauty and the Beast." I was like, beautiful vocals, and then. And then, um, I think it was, <laughs> wasn't Miguel with Christina Aguilera? Was that the, for Coco? Mwah. Although Miguel was Yes, for Coco. I was kind of confused on his approach because I couldn't remember. I had it uh, after, after um, seeing that episode, of, I had to like kind of reference, go to like the Coco track just to remember the, the song because I was like, how does this song go? Like, Christina Aguilera, I felt like she had like the beat to it. But then when Miguel did it, I was kind of like, wait, that's how the song goes? But he did well. He got better towards it. I feel like it's a hard song to like, because his style of like music is kind of different to what the song in Coco is. So I was just like, this is this is a weird approach. <laughs> so yeah. but I definitely yeah. say the Disney yeah, definitely. song. Like I was just astonished. I was so excited about it because it had artists that I actually knew. Because the first one, it had some artists, but also, um, but had some artists that I knew of. But some of them were just like, I have no idea who you are, because they're from Broadway and everything, which makes sense. Which I really appreciate how they have like. Broadway singers do it as well because you know they're this is kind of I feel like a lot of people don't know about Broadway Broadway actors and actresses like they're not as appreciated as much as like you know like artists like John Legend and Jennifer Hudson so like you know no it's kind of I appreciate that that they had like them on like you know on no, this, I, I... um special Yeah, I mean, it, I, I feel like naturally it'll be harder to appreciate a Broadway star yeah, in general, really just because like Disney, like, not everybody Disney has access to Broadway. Because now that now that you kind of understand their face, especially because they're not having they're out of jobs yeah. right now, like they're not like artists where they can create albums and like have their songs. They're you know like people can still buy their songs on like iTunes if people still use no. iTunes. I don't know, everyone uses Apple or Spotify, but yeah, so Apple Music or Spotify or Pandora, but you know what I mean? Like, they, they have albums <laughs> and stuff that people can still buy and order. Meanwhile, Broadway singers, they just basically depend on people seeing them live, you know, like in person. So, like, it's good that they got them out there. But, yeah, I would say, like, those two right. songs are, like, the key. Oh, it's also The Princess and the Frog, the song that Chloe and um, Halle Bailey, yeah, Halle Bailey did with, um, what's the actress's name who plays in Princess and the Frog? And I was like, yes, was it, uh, I think so. Anika yeah, but she did fun. Rose, I, I forget, I forget her and, name. Like, that song with but, the, 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 it was more, more, so many kisses. I was like flawless. <laughs> and it, I really like. I kind of wish, like, I, I like the performance Halsey did with and, the Little Mermaid, but I wish Halle Berry, the Halle Bailey did the thing because you know she's gonna be the, um, in the live action Ariel. So like, it would have been cool. I'm glad she was there though. But I wish she did the song to give us a, like a little sneak peek of what she's gonna be like, you know, right? As Ariel. I was, even though it was fun to see them, I thought it was a little oh disappointing gosh. to see that the first oh song we start off with was Hakuna Matata from the newer Lion King. Oh, 
I told my Clover, I like I was kind of sad because I wish they did a song like I wish they kind of did a Can You Feel a Love Tonight. At least they did it with someone else. Because although Kunamatata, like, you know, was good and everything, I feel like he should have done another song because, like, you didn't really get to hear him that much. It's kind of because his role in the song is not that huge in Kunamatata. Because in the, in the movie, remember how, like, it's basically, like, little, um, little, yeah, it's like, it's mostly Timon and Pumbaa. Timon and, and like, Pumbaa. The, the, um, young Simba and everything, you know, and then goes on to, like, you know, older Simba. But, like, you know, it's, I wish he was more in it, though. But he did phenomenal, of course, because I'm a yeah. huge Donald Glover, like, fan. As you can tell, my voice kind of changed. I was like, oh, my Donald Glover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. Who knows? Maybe they'll do another one because it looks like they've had a lot of success with that. I forget Shakira did Zootopia. I kind of forget about that sometimes. But, yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have. A lot of our disagree to like be to be in this Disney sing along, and I hope there's other ones. So, yeah. All right, so I think that's going to conclude this episode of Cafe Con Leche Time. But don't worry, we'll be back next week to give you the to give you the next week's news headlines and our opinions on it. So. Stick, so yeah, make sure you tune in for next week and also and listen to this episode you continue to, continue to be support us and also watch this to be posted on Spotify so yeah exactly well, gracias. Yeah. we're only going to get better from here <laughs>